shooting. Skimmer Way near Lakewood, Charles 478, Tango. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Zebalero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, welcome to Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Zebalero. We're coming down. We're coming down to the wire. It is Christmas time, and we're getting our Christmas shopping done. And I got to tell you, I'm already done. And uh, But uh, the guy that probably waits to the last minute is here with us straight out of Pitkin, Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? Bah humbug! You're one of those guys, aren't you, man? You're one of those no, bah humbug no, guys. I'm, I am. I am. Uh, uh, I am living with with uh, the Christmas elf. So she she kind of gets my my holiday spirit going. I can't be all bah humbug around Nancy. So so now when you say Christmas elf, you're not talking about her height. You're talking about her her jovial. She's jovial. It's right. So I just want to yeah, make sure. I just want to make sure. Christmassy okay. and and sun. She's she's. Uh, she's just, um, a sunny personality, um, right, like, uh, fueled, fueled with eggnog and candy canes. Awesome. That's good to know. And, and for those of you who don't know, Nancy is Nancy McGee, EMS one columnist and the better half of our own co-host Kelly Grayson. So are you ready for the holidays, man? Um, I'm getting there, man. I am just worn out. I'm trying to get another book uh, published and then print before before the holidays, and it didn't. It doesn't look like I'm going to make it. People will be able to uh, order the Kindle version before the uh, Christmas holidays and get it, but uh, the way I'm going, it's it's going to be a. if I get the print version up and running, they're not going to get it shipped before Christmas. So I'm I'm trying to hustle as hard well, as I know, can. I mean, don't make yourself crazy, man. Just if you can get that Kindle oh, version no. out. What, is there going to be a shout-out? Do I get a shout-out, something in there, anything? What, what, yeah, what's this, yeah. What's this yeah, all about? Gonna, Tell me what this topic is. Well, uh, as I recall, you, you donated more than 50 bucks to Kilted to Get Cancer, so you get to be red-shirted in the, in the book. So uh, oh, I'll right. try to find some scale that, you know, dies a horrible death. Oh, that uh, awesome, we'll just yeah. name him. We'll name him Chris Sevalero, and, right. and he could be you can be uh, redshirted in the in the book. All right, man, that's awesome. That's good to go. I mean, <laughs> I, I'll go for me, and I'll die with infamy. How about that? <laughs> there you go. So you know, Kelly, I think you know as we're getting to the end of the year, this we got this show that we're putting out, and then we got one more show which we're going to record on the nineteenth and count down the top five articles of twenty sixteen, and we are going to be graced, graced by editor in chief of EMS one, Greg freeze. He's going to join us on our year end show. And, uh, I think it's going to be a really good one. Yeah. He, and he is a live wire, man. This is something you got to tune in for. You've got to hear him say, hi, this is Greg freeze. Yeah, you do that. So Merry, well. Merry Christmas. And, and happy holidays. And that is after a couple <laughs> cups of coffee. So hopefully he has... Yeah, that's after that's, that's after a monster and a, and a main line of caffeine. That's Greg's right. Like, awesome. But today, little, we've got a, a real lemon. treat, though. We've got... Uh, I thought it'd be really good to have the opportunity to talk about some of the changes that are going to happen in 2017 when we talk about our national registry and how people are going to test and some of, the, some of the things that we really have to start... Um, you know, thinking about as we move into 2017 as educators, and I thought it would be really great to hear from one of the uh, the real premier educators in the EMS career field. And uh, let's go ahead and bring him in here, and that's Dan Limmer. Dan, thanks for joining us on Inside EMS. The pleasure is mine, and I just want you to know I've had trouble keeping a straight face listening to you guys uh, during your introduction. It was very good. Well, I mean, you know, that's the try to th- we're trying to entertain as well. So we just don't want to be. We're not just pretty faces. We have brains too, right, Kelly? 
<laughs> oh no, I'm just a pretty face, man. Are you? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. To pretty know. face and an awesome set of pecs and a winning smile. Yeah. Well, that's good for you. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, Dan, one of the things that I, I think is really great to talk about, and I, I want to bring it up, is uh, you know, Christmas time. You know, we we, we constantly kind of look at things that we can get for people for Christmas. And one of the things that I did a couple years ago is uh, I had the opportunity to buy the Limmer apps for my workforce. I think we bought 125 apps and we kind of gave them away as Christmas presents. And and I want to I just really touch on that really quick because the people who are out there, if you're looking you know, for not an, a, a very expensive gift, but something that's going to really hold some value, uh, you know, not just in the fact that you're buying them, but value to the people that you're giving them to, those Limmer apps would be a really great stocking stuffer. And maybe you could just talk about, uh, you know, a couple of those apps that you have if people are interested and how they can get their hands on them. Well, you know, not only is it a holiday season, it's also national registry season. People have finished up, <clears throat> excuse me, people have finished up their classes in the past week or so, and they'll be testing next week or into January. So, it's a great time to think of people and give them something to help them succeed on the registry. Uh, but you're right, even an experienced provider giving the gift of education certainly is cost effective, but it's something that will be with them you know, forever because our apps uh, don't expire. You know, the newest thing that we have out, which is really going very well because of the approach it takes, is a, is a website called emtreview.com. And that site, if you know somebody taking a, an EMT class and you want them to succeed, uh, is a great way to to give people uh, a leg up because not only do we have great practice tests, uh, I do office hours every week where people can come on and we can talk and I, I do some teaching. You know, we have interactive exams where you take a few questions and watch videos that explain them. It's a site that really does well, but... You know, it's not just for EMTs. Well, that site is for EMTs, but our apps span uh, so many things from EMT to AEMT uh, to paramedic and uh, critical care even. People preparing for the critical care test. People want to brush it up on their uh, ECG and their 12 at ECG. The app by Tom Boothalette is outstanding. We really can cover something for anyone uh, on the EMS spectrum, really. And when we talk about, you know, the, these tools, these are not very expensive tools when it comes to, uh, you know, people that want to get them. I mean, uh, I, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to quote the price, but it's very inexpensive to get your hands on these things, too. Yeah. No, we go from four ninety nine up to about uh, thirty four ninety nine. We have some really nice audio series that people can listen to, um, which has been very popular as well. So. Not only standing on their own, as I said, they don't expire, uh, but when you compare the amount of material that's in an app like that compared to a book, it's really a fraction of the cost. I think that it's uh, it's great. Obviously, I do books, right. too. I don't want to get away from those, but, but really having this information, uh, giving it to someone so it can be in their pocket at any time is incredibly valuable. You know, yeah, I, I bought a, a suite of those apps for each one of my EMT students in this uh, in my uh uh, EMT and advanced EMT programming oh, really? students. Oh yeah. Each student that's, that's built into their tuition and they have a suite of, uh, Limer creative review apps. Uh, and, and, I'm I felt my way along using the apps as part of, you know, active learning exercises. I'm, I'm still getting my feet under me with, with and learning my, uh, uh, learning my craft at that. Um, but 
uh, one one way they've been really valuable is is I did my final exam uh, uh, on the Limer Creative app, so I wanted as close to a national registry uh, exam that uh, that I could get. And you know, there nobody really has a computer adaptive exam. Uh, so what I told everyone was, uh, uh, here's the EMT Review Plus. That's the, the more difficult of the apps. Um, you take that test as many times as you like. As soon as you get above an 80, uh, uh, 80% on, on one of those exams, I'll sign your, uh, I'll, I'll mark you as, uh, as completed your course and you're ready to go test your national registry. And uh, we, we had great success with that. They did really well. That's really interesting, man. I mean, yeah. And I guess that does a lot of test prep as well, but it gives them the taste of mm-hmm. what they're going to, you know, probably face when they're on the exam, right? Yeah, you know, one of those describe the universe, give two examples types questions. Uh, they um, the, they worked actually pretty well, but I mean, the, what is really valuable is uh, that uh, uh, I found in these apps is is the rationales. Uh, yeah, you know, um, Dan will tell you that he's got rationale from from Bill Brown and in, in a number of his apps of why questions are worded the way they are and why the correct answers are correct and the wrongs are wrong. But uh, that's that's really helpful in in getting feedback so you're not making the same mistakes over again and just flying blind. Right. And I think that one of the things too, man, if you can get Dan Limmer in office hours and you know get him to explain and uh, you know kind of uh, bring his unique brand of education to you in preparation. I mean, what better? Hey, maybe you can do this for me. He's, he's like a ground squirrel on methamphetamine. You yeah, just can't right. slow him down. But one of the things that like, he's <laughs> almost in that almost in that Greg great. Freeze range of uh, excitement. He's, yeah, he's he's like he's like Rom Duckworth, only just just toned down just a little bit. A bit taller. That's right. <laughs> you know, maybe one of the things you could do. I mean, because you've you've really had these apps going for some time now, Dan, and I would really appreciate if you can develop an app for my co-host, maybe to help his personality a little bit. You know, maybe uh, some uh, Kelly Graysonisms or uh, Kelly Grayson colloquialisms or something that really yeah, kind of yeah, we'll polishes have a Kelly his Grayson trivia app. There you go, <laughs> Kelly Grayson trivia app. That's right. <laughs> Let's start with the monosynaptic. No, no, no. I won't. That's go there. right. Yeah. <laughs> so awesome. But Dan, you know, I appreciate you, uh, you know, talking about them. And I think they're great gifts. And, and for those who are out there, and you were on last year, we talked about these last year. And, uh, you know, I think they're really great to handle. So I, they're I'm glad great you little stocking stuffers. I, you know, I like the fact that they do not expire. And that's one of the things that my students, you know, in previous classes, I've bought them. Prescript uh, subscriptions to uh, ninety-day subscriptions to to various test prep programs, and they were okay. There were some some content in there just flat out wrong, uh, but uh, I haven't found that with any of Dan's apps, and they own it. You know, once they've got it, it's it's on their smartphone and on their tablets uh, permanently. Um, so, uh, you know that that one little suite of apps was uh, more than more than equal the uh, the cost of a, a 90 day subscription somewhere else so awesome. i'd like to offer a discount code to your listeners if that's okay guys um, oh, oh how well, awesome well, would that well, be well are you talking about free and discounted stuff yeah we're all about that go ahead and whether uh the the discount code is pass uh, p-a-s-s-20 and that discount code will work on our uh, emtreview.com site or on our lc-ready.com site either way uh, you want to go for the subscription study or the apps will take care of it and if you're buying for somebody else or if you're saying, you know, it might not be a bad idea to get stuff uh, for our, our squad or our job or our, you know, office, whatever it happens to be, 
uh, support at limmercreative.com and we'll get right back to you and, and make it very easy. That's what we do. Uh, and, and you guys really seem to get that really it's the quality is what we try and put into these apps. And, uh, and I'm very happy you can see that. Oh, how about awesome? How about that? How about the listeners, Kelly, of Inside EMS getting that inside deal from one of the best educators on this program? Yeah, I just I wish you were a little more creative with your passwords. You need like a Gandalf code, like you know, <laughs> you shall pass. All right, so let's go ahead and switch gears. Let's go ahead and switch gears now. You know, uh, well, I'm glad you're here, Dan. And and you know, we we had John a few weeks back, and we talked about the changes that are happening in the National Registry. And, you know, the things that as educators that we have to start preparing for and, you know, you and I have had lengthy discussions about, uh, you know, where we are with the standard of EMS education and where that needs to be. And there's going to be some really, I think, some good changes that are coming from the National Registry. And we probably need to get somebody on in 2017 out of that office to come in Mm -hmm. here and talk to us about some of the things that are happening and maybe what's going to be happening in the future. But, you know, overall, if I ask your opinion about some of the changes that are happening, what do you give us? Well, you know, obviously, I think we'll put the the paramedic level aside just for a second. I, like you said, I think that's part of the topic itself. <clears throat> I think there's a couple of things that with the National Registry. The first is that uh, we're going to see some changes in content. We've seen the 2005, uh, 2015 CPR guidelines come in. Uh, just last month, the National Registry announced that they were going to start testing using spinal motion restriction, not the old spinal immobilization uh, concept. And... Um, you know, I think that's important. Now, I'm sitting here, and, of course, my radio goes off in the background. I apologize for that. makes me sound very official. However, it's a bit of a distraction. I apologize for that. Are you actually going to go on a call? Can you take us with you? <laughs> Maybe we could ride along on this call with Dan Limmer, so that'll be a whole new office hours with Dan Limmer. Is, uh, well, here, here's the funny thing. Kenny Bunkport uh, EMS has about 400 calls a year. 250 or 300 of those are in the summer. So the fact that the thing even went off at all, I you know, couldn't even remember it was on. So it's, uh, it's certainly not the, not the busy metropolis, especially here in the winter. They're just checking, they're just checking the repeater is what they're doing. <laughs> just, you know, we have to ring through to Cora to make sure the crew is there. I think that the registry has done several things. I think they pumped up the volume since education standards, more pathophys, a lot of things. I think the exam is certainly not any easier than it used to be, but Things change so fast in medicine now that spinal immobilization comes along and spinal motion restriction, you know, comes comes along. And instructors and students are constantly saying, what's going to be on the test with these science changes coming along? And I think that's a really big issue for both students and instructors. The registry's been pretty clear about it. You know, it used to be that we could do a textbook and we would put it out. And four years later, we put out a new one, and it was rarely changed in between. But just in the past edition and a half, probably, of my book, between CPR changes, spinal motion restriction, naloxone being all of a sudden the intranasal route comes back uh, with full force and so many things, a lot of people want to say, gee, well, what's the registry going to be testing? And I think that's a, I think that's a, that's a pretty big issue right now. So do you think that gives you know, a little bit, little bit more of trepidation then, or is that you know, or should that just give you more of a motivation to to prepare better? Well, I think that 
as as educators, if you're teaching good science, it's going to be okay on the National Registry. When people look at the National Registry and wonder what facts they should know, they're already behind the eight ball because those facts aren't going to be offered. It's going to be a question that looks for a clinical decision or a judgment of some kind. So I think getting into the right mindset, if we're using good science, that I think that you're going to be okay just in general. The concept of going through and having, you know, uh, say if you're doing really well, 70 questions, the thought that you'll get all those questions perfect to begin with, or if you get a trauma question about spinal motion restriction, you're not sure which way to go, that question goes by and you get a chance to take a couple more. I think first we make a little bit of a, a mountain out of a molehill in that. I think the registry is really, really good at putting together tests that make a lot of these issues uh, non-existent. I mean, for the for the EMS provider, the average BLS provider, what really changed from 2010 to 2015? Not an awful lot. Nothing really. They just clarified, you know, AHA kind of clarified and strengthened its its recommendations on anything, but there weren't really many earth-shattering changes at all. Nope. Yeah, we get all, like we all get our panties in a bunch about these changes and when they're going to happen and what to do and, you know, um, even whether the, when the books are going to be up to date, even though the changes uh, are relatively minimal and quite frankly, the hundred changing to a hundred to one hundred and twenty. A lot of times you'd get the question right anyways because you knew it was a hundred. Yeah. So, you know, I think that I think that there have been a lot of changes in science and we have trouble keeping up with that. And that's one of the big issues that we have uh, going forward, at least we perceive it as a bigger issue uh, than I think you know probably that it is. You know, I I think the National Registry gets a bad rap as as far as testing, both in its its written exam and its psychomotor exam. Um you know, the, the, uh, it's been my experience that the psychomotor exam, all the horror stories you hear about it and, and how it's so rigid and testing, you have to be a parrot and not understand what you're doing and do it a certain way. It's not an issue with the, with the uh, registry exam itself. Uh, it's how it's administered by various state uh, organizations. Um, and with the, you know, one of the things that, that kind of surprised me about the, uh, the, the cognitive exam, the computer-based exam, was the, the number of questions in, in, uh, in those upper echelons of Bloom's taxonomy. It was mostly synthesis and application questions uh, for a lot of my students. They didn't have to spit out a bunch of, of random facts, uh, maybe one or two, and then very quickly they, the, the questions got to be uh, on how to actually do EMT stuff rather than, you know, what information you've memorized uh, over the course of your class. Uh, I, I think uh, uh, as an educator, one of the things that, that was most galling about previous uh, versions of the test was, you know, uh, it didn't adapt uh, to, to current standards. And I had to say, well, this is the way we're doing things right now, but the test hasn't caught up. And I was really happy to see that the stuff about the spinal motion restriction changes uh, and, and find that I, I don't have to uh, offer a caveat when I, when I teach how to uh, do spinal motion restriction anymore. Right. Well, there's been some big changes at the registry too, and I'd be curious to see how they, how they play out. Obviously uh, three years or so ago, Bill Brown, really the longest running executive director uh, retired. And now mm-hmm. Rob Wagner has, uh, has left the registry. He's, re- he's retired. Uh, he'll be doing some consulting on item writing. But really, the registry is a much different organization 
uh, people wise than it was five years ago. Yeah. They've obviously got a board. They've got people, you know, Todd, Todd Vreeland's gone. And there's a lot of the, the old timers that are gone. So I think that the national register moving forward, um, certainly has a tough act to follow and some of the really i think amazing people that were there true trailblazers and getting the registry where it is i don't want to say it's going to be a tough act to follow but going forward um there's a there's a lot of tradition i'm with you kelly that i think that the exam tests thinking it doesn't test facts and thinking is what's necessary on the street you know Mm -hmm. we go through and we teach stuff you know i was doing a lecture um in idaho and i was telling people you know we teach people in class about allergic reactions and anaphylaxis, the two extremes in the spectrum. But we don't talk about all the things in between. I think that's where active learning comes in. The registry is going to say, all right, now I've got a person with hives on their chest and a little tickle in their throat, and here's their vital signs. Do you give epi or not? And people are going to be like, oh, gee, yeah. nobody ever told me about that. Yeah. And I think that's but what think they're that's supposed a, to be. But that's where that critical thinking comes in as well. I think if you know where you are at the at the top end of the spectrum, if you know where you are at the bottom end of the spectrum, you've got to be able to put in and this is and this is what we're not teaching. You gotta be able to put in some of your critical thinking skills to say, Well, wait uh-huh. a minute, you know, here's the blood pressure, you know, here's the tickle in the throat, here's a little bit of hives. Is this problem getting better or worse? Is it gonna hurt to give you know, the epi in this case, you know, so I think now I would want to be able to see that, you know, that, you know, talk about synthesis. I'd want to be able to see that analysis and synthesis to say, this is how I'm going to handle this patient. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're not doing. Well, and we, we've still got, uh, all too many, uh, educators, uh, whose comfort zone is making people memorize a bunch of random facts. Uh, and then expecting them to put it together themselves rather than, you know, do the let the student acquire the facts and then the instructor is supposed to facilitate how they apply and make sense of those facts. Um, and, and quite frankly, I, you know, I ran into a bunch of students who who uh, would much rather memorize random facts and not understand anything uh, in my last class. Uh, and, and they had problems with their psych, uh, with their cognitive exam. Uh, the students who who. Uh, didn't want to uh, memorize and ask questions and, and actually kind of struggled uh, during the class. Um, actually, did better on the psychomo- I mean, on the uh, cognitive exam than the uh, the go getters who went and and you know aced all their skills and, and then got to the uh, written exam and realized, oh my gosh, this is not something I can memorize. It's really true. That's um, that's what it's all about, and knowing. Um, getting some scenarios where you're not going through and reciting a list of things. You're having to choose from options. And we're really not preparing our students for the patient where you have no good options and you've got to choose the best of the worst. And interestingly, that's exactly what the registry does is they give you four choices, none of which are the ones that you want and you have to pick the best one. (laughs) That's right. Which one is the least wrong? (laughs) Right. And yet people say it doesn't match practice. Well, that's practice sometimes. It really is. It really is. So let me ask you a question. I mean, here we are, three guys. So we're sitting around a table and we're thinking about, you know, as educators, how we want to prepare our students or or what really gives our students the best opportunity to be successful on a final, you know, exam, let's say. What should that look like? So, you know, is the current method that we have the way that it should go? Or do we develop a whole new process to say, this is what is missing and this is what we really need? 
you know, most of the things we do are relatively evolutionary, not revolutionary. But the one thing I will say from spending a lot of time on the road this fall is that the traditional EMS classroom, the 65 or 70 percent lecture and 30 or 35 percent lab, really isn't the traditional classroom anymore. Most educators are getting out there and trying something new, doing different things. The hybrid and blended and flipped classes are mm-hmm. actually becoming more than buzzwords. And I think that that's, I think that's really a, a good direction. And I think it's the direction that we need to go. And whether it goes fast enough or not, you know, I, I suppose we could, we could argue either way. But I think, that it's a, I think that it's a good direction. You know, EMS isn't known for making, you know, sudden dramatic changes in, in the mm-hmm. way things are done. With what we're doing, we've had a 67 or 68% first sitting pass rate on the National Registry, give or take three points, you know, for the past, you know, several years. And so we're getting two-thirds of the people through. Now, some of them might be by the skin of their teeth, and I certainly would like to to get it higher. And I think we could certainly improve ourselves uh, in that regard by doing less lecture and more active or dynamic processes. And the the things that are out there from publishers, you know, the my Brady Lab that goes with my EMT book gives you a pretest. You know, you read the book, do a pretest, bases the objectives, you know, on the the pretest. Then you get remediation on what you missed. You take a post-test and you come into class better prepared to actually become involved in something mm-hmm. rather than listen to something. And usually it's the educator that has the challenge in switching uh, to the active thing. Students generally like it. That was, that was my, uh, that was my hurdle. Um, The class I'm doing right now, uh, because of enrollment issues, we, uh, we wound up doing less of a hybrid, you know, 50, 50 live class and, and uh, an online class to more like uh, 80, 20 uh, online class. And, and uh, with only just a few, psychomotor skills days and skills, you know, knowledge integration uh, sessions is what I call them. Uh, And I have discovered, you know, as dynamic as I try to be in lecturing and as entertaining and educational as I try to be in front of a a ballroom full of a few hundred people, uh, that falls flat on its face when I'm over an internet connection. Uh, in an online meeting room, <laughs> you, you got to be able to shake it up uh, and do something other than the traditional lecture format. Uh, and that, that was a big transition for me. I'm still f- figuring out the nuts and bolts of it. But uh, uh, I think ultimately it's going to uh, benefit my teaching style a great deal once I get a handle on it. Yeah, I think it'll give you the opportunity to be well-rounded now because, you know, a lot of times when we're, you know, when we're, uh, you know, doing our business and when we're teaching, we're, we're really kind of playing to the, playing to the class. Yeah, you and can't, you can't exactly. yeah. force a personality carry you in, a, in an internet class. It and you've really got to now start to be, instead of, well, still find a way to be entertaining, but even moreover, how to be more, you know, teach and be more educational and be more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Creative when you're doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, you know, one of the things, you know, you talked about the, the, uh, the LMS that Brady has. And as I'm preparing now to uh, work with a company in Abilene, Texas, uh, developing, uh, you know, an EMT course, we're going to use my Brady lab. And of course the Limmer book, I don't know if you know him, but he's uh, got a really great book. But, um, you know, when, when you yeah, talk, my favorite color, it's yeah, good. That's right. It was. But when you talk <laughs> about, 
another book that doesn't have my name in it. But anyway, when I you prefer talk- white and purple, actually. Ah, I'm gonna dis- <laughs> I'm gonna disconnect them, Dan. So when you talk about you know what that does, and I think that's really great. You take a pretest, and it kind of you know after you give your assignment, and they take that pretest. They're able now to get, as you mentioned, homework or remediation, and then they're going to take a post-test and move them in. But one of the things as the instructor that you can do is you can watch these grades, and you can watch how they're mm-hmm. you know, now picking up after the homework is done. And you could even assign individual assignments based on the student rather than even on the group, and I think that that's where that works in. So now when we think about this, though, and and I think the question that I asked earlier was kind of glossed over, how do we prepare? What's the final exam look like that they finally get their their certification as an EMT uh, and will stay with EMT? Is it the way that we're going to do it now, or does it look like something different in the future? Well, I think that the the ideal exam is not – protocol driven it's it's concept and science and pathophysiology driven you know mistovich says in the white and purple book who's who's a darn good man and he has a darn good book as well he's a magnificent uh, bastard he really he is he is a magnificent <laughs> bastard and he's got that that science up in his office now just so you know um, mistovich says that if you want your students to learn, learn superficially, test them superficially. If you want them to learn comprehensively, test them comprehensively. So the concept of the exams, not just being facts picked from the book. You know, all too often we test airway, we move on to assessment, and in the assessment chapter, we have, you know, we have, in the assessment exam, we have no airway questions. We have nothing yeah. that combines airway and assessment. I think a lot of the fault comes with us and that we're not as demanding as we should be. Many times we back down because of, you know, student whining or our perceptions of the student's abilities. But the fact is, first, I don't think our tests are difficult enough. I don't think our, our, you know, just in general scope, they need to be more difficult. And I also don't think our questions are written well. You know, the thing that makes a multiple choice question difficult is having just a little bit of wiggle room between the distractors. Mm-hmm. And that's what the registry does to an almost evil level. It's so good. But what happens is we blow into the building before class. Where, oh, I got to make a quiz. And you either go to the test manager and say, oh, I'll just jot some questions down. The type of questions that your students need, you can't just write and give your students. You've got to hand them off to another educator or two to make sure there's no ambiguity. The real mm-hmm. tough questions if only the amount of information you need in the STEM, many too, well, much too often we give it away, then the distractors have got to really make students think. You know, we give questions, which, which, which organs in the upper right quadrant of the abdomen? You know, the appendix, the, the spleen, the uh, something else, and the, the liver, and the femur. And we're giving them 25% to start with because <laughs> we're putting dumbass distractors in. You mean you know, it's not, so it's not the femur? <laughs> well, it depends. Some people's heads are in a funny position up there. Oh, no, that's something else. But, um, you know, I really think that that our tests aren't difficult enough and they're not constructed well enough. I did a survey all fall where I, I, I did uh, I used Kahoot and I gave all my educators I was teaching all fall the same four questions. And I said, what keeps them from from doing um, dynamic things in their classroom? Was it time? Was it uh, creativity? Was it lack of belief in the concept uh, or technology? And you know the two things that always came out on top, either one and two, one way or the other, were time and creativity. 
And it amazed me. I thought people would say it's technology or I don't you know, believe in this. People don't think that they're creative enough to come up with some of the materials that are out there. And they also don't have the time. And I think both of those things go into item writing as well. Yeah. That it takes a lot of time to make a really good exam. And, and I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, I think that one of the things that we don't do enough of is we don't do open-ended questions. You know, I was, I was helping my daughter no. with her first aid homework today. And uh, she's in college. And, but one of the things they asked is they gave a scenario and they said, here are two guys. They grew up together. One's a drinker. One's a smoker. One is, uh, you know, 160 pounds overweight. What conditions can you expect them to have? And, uh, you know, uh, from this scenario, um, uh, what, how do they change and how do they become more healthier? So they were asking her to, to think about what their, what their lifestyles are, tell us what diseases they can get from these lifestyles, and then give us the care plan of how you make them better. And it made me think of, how come we're not doing that in EMS to say, you know, here's, here's your scenario. Now give us, you know, the, the, you know, the history of the present illness. Tell us what you think is from the current set of vital signs. What is the EKG, uh, you know, leading you to believe? What's the differential diagnosis? How are you going to manage this patient? And then what advice do you have to put themselves on a healthier path? It really now starts to give them those critical thinking skills and, and makes them open their mind up to rather than A, B, C, or D. And doing those things in class are the, are the gateway to be able to to test properly on an exam. If they've never had the experience thinking like that in class, it's kind of unfair to test them like that. You know, those, those kinds of things are also spectacular dynamic exercises for individual work in classroom or at home or group work in the classroom for them to work these things out together and put it together in their head. You know, I think that, that that's really almost the predecessor to testing like that is modeling your class like that where you uh, respect thinking. Yeah, and I think the, the first step on that is, uh, in that path is, is empowering yourself uh, and your students to, to say it depends uh, <laughs> and, and, and embrace ambiguity and nuance. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I make my scenarios, uh, they're open-ended scenarios and they don't really have a specific ending and outcome and insight, uh, how they end up depends on how the student, uh, how the student does in the scenario. I have teaching points I want to make in those scenarios and invariably I get to them. But, but, uh, a lot of times they, uh, you know, the students will be at the end. So, you know, I'll say, so what do we learn from this? And, and they'll, and, and five different students will come up with five different answers, uh, of what they learn from the scenario. Uh, and, and the beauty of it is, uh, every one of them is right. Uh, every one of them learned something different from the scenario. And I, I think that, uh, to me, that, that speaks as to a, a well-constructed scenario, um, at least uh, for my part. If a student says, um, well, I've got these two facts here, which one's going to be on the test? And if an educator picks one of those, they've lost because the student believes there's going then to be one answer to a question. The other one, yeah. I got to tell you, man, it's always great to have you. And as we get to the year end, you know, I want to, uh, you know, I want to thank you for joining us and certainly, you know, kicking out and giving that, uh, you know, discount to our listeners for the uh, Limmer apps. It's always great when you're here. And uh, I'd like to have you back in uh, early 2017. Let's go ahead and talk about some education and, uh, you know, how we can change the standard. I'm always, always honored. You guys do a really great thing. Not only great information, but great personality. And I'm honored to be here. 
But hey, guys, we're getting on up there in time. Dan, we'd like to thank you for appearing on the show and thank you again for the awesome Christmas gift and, and discount code for your Limer Creative app. So once again, uh, that discount code is PASS20 on lcready.com or emtreview.com. Once you get those apps, they're yours in perpetuity and, and you can use them as you see fit. But for myself and co-host Chris Ceballero and the sweetest smelling paramedic educator ever, Dan Limer. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS, and we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>